Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate with Brian Pham, where we interview real estate professionals around the industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a very positive review. We release an episode every single Sunday, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crushing It in Real Estate. This week, we have Eric Wang. Eric Wang is the founder of Rev Projects that that focuses on purchasing commercial real estate buildings in the Bay Area. Today, we'll dive into Eric's story and how he got started into real estate. And we want to listen to what he learned throughout the years and any advice that he can give us. Eric, welcome to the show, man. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on. It's it's uh, great to listen to your episodes. You're, you have such an upbeat personality. I love it. So uh, glad to participate in something like this. Definitely, man. Hey, Eric, how'd you get started into real estate? Uh, well, my you know my background, I didn't kind of just fall into it. I I, I actually is from early on from from school, from obviously a little influence from my family. Um, I studied a little bit of finance, economics, and real estate in college. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to get a great job out of college and into private equity real estate firms. So I went directly into institutional real estate. And so uh, I had the fortune of being trained in institutional real estate. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so I, I'm very aware of this and, and, you know, some of your listeners are stepping into real estate, maybe from other careers, maybe it's, maybe it's only a side gig or a side hustle, you know? So I just want to balance the conversation of, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like I built this from the ground up. I did have some advantages mm-hmm. and I'm aware of that, that um, I was fortunate and blessed to have real estate professionals train me and I got to work at the work in this industry. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, we'll talk about later some of the projects that I've done and some of the work I've done, you know, that is a result of some of what's been passed on to me and given to me. And so, <coughs> excuse me. So doing this, you know, sharing some of this knowledge, um, you know, I'm glad to do that for some of your listeners. Definitely, man. That's, that's amazing. So at what point did you, realize that you had enough experience and confidence to go out and do this on your own and make that transition from working from under someone else to actually doing these first projects and leading them. Yeah, I think, you know, I think it was gradual uh, for me, mm-hmm. you know, let's say that day that I first started working for these institutional firms. And I, I didn't know if I was necessarily going to be, you know, entrepreneur or necessarily on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, at that time, it was already a big enough industry for me to learn and, uh, and uh, step into. And so it was only after years of getting experience and working for some of these firms that, um, you know, I realized more and more, I wanted to pursue my own projects Mm -hmm. and uh, in areas that I care about. And that's why I call my company Rev projects, revitalization, you know, revival of, of projects and, um, and communities and neighborhoods that I get to work in. And, um, so the answer is, I, uh, I didn't know for sure when was the right time. I need to jump. And I think that's an important step, mm-hmm. uh, important point to make, which is that I say this all the time, that you have to, 
uh, you know, as if you were sailing out to discover new land, you have to leave the land behind you. You have to be out in the middle of the ocean, kind of rocky a little bit, uncomfortable, middle of nowhere. It doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And before you can discover the new land ahead of you. And, yeah. Um, so I, the, for me, you know, for a lot of people, that's making the jump, quitting your job. For me, I, I quit my job. And, um, you know, before I quit my job, I had, um, you know, talked to some you know, people, investors, brokers and such, but you know, nothing was, nothing's guaranteed, you know? Yeah. So I made the jump and then started uh, <clears throat> working on my first deal, which again, I was also fortunate to, to come across, but um, uh, the answer is didn't know exactly, but made the jump anyhow. And I, I knew I couldn't do uh, both full time. I, I, you know, a lot of people will recommend uh, doing a little bit of a side hustle first before uh, going, you know, that I, I got that, advice as well. I, you know, I didn't really do that. I decided just, you know, I needed to focus. I can't multitask like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I decided to just make the full hundred percent jump and just say, yeah. you know what, um, worst case scenario, I go back and find another job. And again, I know a lot of people have different situations, whether it's savings or how much runway they have, but mm-hmm. you know, I felt comfortable that, you know, I could, I could do that and then uh, go back if, if, uh, if it didn't work out. Definitely, man. I, I think you bring up a lot of good points, you know, because I feel like a lot of our audience are getting started with their um, with their side hustle and your new business. And a lot of questions are that come out to, during our podcast and other interviewees that, you know, our guests want to ask is like, you know, they, they want to understand if, if jumping in first without any safety net is a great idea. And I think you bring a really good point, you know, like you jumped in, you knew that you you knew personally that you couldn't focus, but it's better for you to just focus on one thing at a time. And you had full belief that you can do it. And to me, that's, that's very inspirational. Know? Inspirational. Cause I do hear a lot of similar advice too. how people are saying, Hey, you should have a side hustle first before you quit your job. But I, mm-hmm. I feel like there's something that triggers inside of you when you quit your job without a safety net that, you know, that deep down inside, you have to do it. You would do things you would never yeah. do to yeah. get to yeah. where you need to be. Because you had that desperate feeling, yeah, yeah. man. Like, yeah, yeah, I gotta do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It is is another shipment uh, analogy, which is burning the ships. Right? I don't know if you ever heard that. You arrive on the land, you burn the ships, you can't go back home. You're stuck here on this on this new place, and you're gonna have to make it work. You know, this uh, the new world. You know, it's crazy. And it's it's only it only feels comforting when you can look back at what you did. But as at the time when you're looking forward and you're like, oh man, I'm super scared. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to go somewhere. Right. You have that determination. Right. That's great, Eric. Right. It's really inspirational. Hey, so what kind of deals have you been a part of since you got started into rep projects? And, you know, can you walk us through a couple of your deals? Yeah, sure. My first deal was uh, interesting. It was a live, work, loft, uh, essentially residential. It's multifamily, essentially. Um, but they were unique. They weren't just like regular apartment boxes. They were in this neighborhood outside of uh, Lake Merritt, east of Lake Merritt. And, um, you know, I, I always wanted to focus, and still today I try to focus on areas where there's paths, pathways of growth, in the, in the pathway of growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, you know, Lake Merritt around Oakland was, was really blowing up. But this, this neighborhood it was a little sleepy, not really much activity there. And, um, you know, went after this project and <clears throat> got under contract mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you know, that's a whole story in itself because, uh, when you're first starting out, mm-hmm. 
you know, the seller is like, okay, where's your money? And then you say, <laughs> oh, wait, wait, okay, I'll get back to you on that. And then the, 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 your investors are like, okay, where's your deal? Like, oh, wait, wait, you know, I'll, let me get back to you on that. I'm, I'm working on it. You know, so yeah. you just kind of bring the two very slowly together and try to meet in the middle. And eventually you got a deal and you got investors, you know? So yeah. um, that was, that was the, um, the, the, the problem. I had to play out uh, in those few months um, on my first deal and got it closed and got to work on this live work loft project, which was really cheaper housing for kind of kind of creative types that um, just needed a large amount of space, mm-hmm. huge space per square foot. Um, and, uh, and I renovated it to be more of kind of lifestyle lofts that a lot of creatives from, you know, even in the, in the tech industry, mm-hmm. you know, they love it. These are high ceilings, brick, wood, and timber, um, large skylights, you know, large open spaces, mm-hmm. um, you know, very untraditional for a living space, but uh, beautiful mm-hmm. and um, upgraded them. You know, obviously there was a lot of change in Oakland happening at that time, four or mm-hmm. five years ago. Mm-hmm. and uh, helped contribute to that change and allowing some of the newer residents to enjoy uh, uh, something that they would be uh, willing to pay more for mm-hmm. and um, renovated uh, more than half the units in the building um, and a pretty quick turnaround uh, faster than, than me and, the, and, and my investors had projected for my investors mm-hmm. uh, and got them renovated and, and left a little meat on the bone as they say for the next buyer and uh and sold it a couple of years ago that was a good exit so that was that was my my first project yeah awesome man I, th- I think you bring a lot of good points too because you know a lot of a lot of new investors have the same problems like should we find money first or should we find a deal first but you came up with a strategy where you found a good balance between finding a deal and investors so the key takeaway from this is like keep networking and keep growing your, your, you know, your insights and keep meeting more people and keep looking at deals because when the opportunity comes and you're so connected with all these people and keep constantly looking at deals, you can put them in the, in the right balance to meet each other and you can create this deal. So I think you did a great job right there. Other thing that I want to point out is um, you really understood your demographics, you know? Like, as you mentioned before, like, you are investing in Lake Merritt in Oakland, California. And you understood that over here, the demographics of people who are buying and renting tends to be more the artist type, you know? And you're, you tailor your renovation to target these type of people. And that's one thing that I really want to bring up to our listeners is that you really have to understand who you're selling to, who, who is your end buyer. Um, because yeah. you can totally renovate a different way, but it's not the right style for the type of neighborhood and you could be in trouble, you know? Yeah. Actually, one quick point on that particular project, because it is live work lofts and this is a particular kind of uh, a tenant who has their creative style. Uh, it was important not to make it too, uh, you know, commercial in a way, you know, maybe with some apartment buildings, you might take, it's an older apartment building. You, you put a new logo on it, put some new colors and everything. Mm-hmm. And the tenants that came into this building, they would not appreciate that. You know, they would <laughs> want to keep things natural. They want to keep, you know, they don't want a giant new fancy logo on it. They don't want some splash of orange 
over the front. You know, they want um, the the traditional brick. They loved the brick throughout the building. Mm-hmm. One of the units even had the original of uh, so the 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 building used to be a cookie factory. Oh wow! So one of the units even had the original oven that baked the cookies. I mean, they just love that. And um, to to uh, just to to mess that all up with some commercialized logo would just been would have been bad for the tenants who are looking at this building. Yeah. And for our listeners still learning more about, you know, their demographics, what kind of recommendations do you have for them to really understand what kind of rehab they should be gearing towards? Um, yeah, you mean making how to decide what to do in each project in the rehab? Yeah. Um, you know, a good thing to do is um, not reinvent the wheel, see what, you know, there's obviously, you know, more than uh, me as an operator out there at real estate, mm-hmm. uh, see, you know, what, what others are doing. I, I like mm-hmm. to do that a lot. You know, we like to think everybody is, is so unique and innovative, but um, mm-hmm. honestly, a lot of stuff's been done before and you can mm-hmm. see just what's working out there. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking with the tenants themselves, getting to know their personalities, you know, that, that was, I, you know, I came to, uh, see that more clearly uh, on this project as I walked the building and understood what <laughs> who these tenants were, what kind of tenants they were, and mm-hmm. what they were looking for. And so that became um, a very quickly very clear. Um, and um, also, it, it, I think it's really important to understand the pricing. You're, you're pricing ceiling or floor even. You know, if you're in a luxury neighborhood, you're definitely going to want to go, you know, all out and, and uh, Mm-hmm. Don't spare any expense, but if you're in a neighborhood like this that's transitioning, mm-hmm. you know you want to be careful about what you spend on, and mm-hmm. uh, are you going to get paid for that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, understanding what, regardless of what money you spend, you know what is the market going to say to you, and what is the market going to provide to you, and that that's true of obviously any business. You know what, how much you're going to spend and what you're going to get get out of it. Yeah, so that's supply and demand there yep agreed man hey so can you walk us through a deal that didn't go so well and what kind of lessons did you learn from, from that particular deal yeah so um one quick caveat my 10 years of real estate experience has been since the bottom of the recession to today <laughs> yeah. so that's a very different experience from some more experienced real estate investors that have been through three or four cycles mm-hmm. and um, have lost money on deals, which is a very important thing to do to learn. <laughs> uh, not something you want to do. You try, try to avoid it as much as you can, mm-hmm. but they give you good learning experiences. And um, so I lost money on a deal. Um, some things I might have done differently. Um, you know, I think I was a little bit careful on that first deal, uh, just not uh, splashing it up too much with logos and this. But there, there's a few finer touches that I could have added architecturally that I think that the uh, uh, that the residents would have appreciated. Um, some elements exposing some wood in certain areas, and um, some maybe more natural, um, uh, like like murals and paintings in the hallways, and you know, some things that would have helped. I think mm-hmm. um, using local artists um, on on my on my last deal, 
was an R&D and uh, office development, industrial deal next to Tesla's factory. Oh, wow. It was a vacant building. Mm-hmm. And uh, owner user sold it, didn't take care of it for you know 20, 25 years and uh, exited, you know, moved out their workforce. And I took it over, renovated it, leased it up. And, um, you know, I think uh, uh, just budgeting for a timing of lease up in that, you know, it, it's not the same as as apartment renting, you know, obviously you have, you have a couple of weeks downtime or whatever, you know, especially in strong markets like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really budgeting for how long it would take to find the right size tenant for um, an industrial building like that. And e- it's even harder than even like a multi office tenant building. Uh, like if you had a medium to large size office building, mm-hmm. you know, back when I was working for institutional commercial real estate, you have, you have suites of all sizes. You have, you know, a couple thousand square feet, you have maybe 20, 30,000 square foot floor plates. Um, so you can supply to, you know, whoever you want in the market, uh, or you have different options. Uh, in this building, it was, it was a smaller industrial property, but just only a couple suites. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I had to budget for, you know, you have to find the right tenant for those suite sizes and for exactly what uh, they were looking for. So, um, you know, just, budgeting for all those variables, downtime, lease up timing, and you know, also obviously your CapEx and everything else you would normally do. But um, yeah, that's something that I would have probably thought a little bit harder about before I acquired that deal, but it worked out. I, I got it leased up, um, sold it to another owner user that took up a portion of the building and it was a good exit. Um, that was a couple months ago, just exited and returned money to investors mm-hmm. uh, at the end of 2019. So oh, it was good, good projects. Yeah. That's a, I mean, even at your worst point, it sounds, sounds pretty positive to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's still, it's still a good project, so I'm happy with it. Yeah. Congratulations, man. Really, really inspiring to hear like, like your story and what you've been able to accomplish so far. You know, it makes, yeah, thank uh, you. makes all of us think a little bit bigger, you know? Cause yeah, like, yeah. every time you go out there and you meet more people and you're like, wow, this person doing this is amazing, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, we all got to run our own race and, um, you know, we have our own lane and goal, you know, not all of us are going to be managing, you know, hundred billion dollar funds. You know, yeah. uh, a lot of us are doing different types of things. You know, I thought, you know, for example, the institutional world was just so big and I was going to be in the institutional world for so long, but mm-hmm. you know, really real estate is, is much bigger than that. And uh, being in this middle market space where I acquire deals and the, you know, 15, 20, 25 million dollar range mm-hmm. of sizes. You know, it's a fun range to play in and uh, I enjoy it. I, I like it a lot. And uh, so, you know, <clears throat> yeah, thinking bigger, but, you know, I'll say we can do the comparison game all day long. And I, I think uh, it's good to look up to people for, uh, you know, the things that they've accomplished, but also understand, you know, where we are and take it step by step and, and uh, understand, our, you know, our race is different from their race. Mm -hmm. definitely man definitely agree with that one great statement hey so what are your long-term goals and short-term goals of real estate yeah uh, let's see short-term is easier Uh, you know just keep doing good deals Uh, I I, I go deal by deal I don't have a fund I don't raise money for a fund Mm -hmm. I go deal by deal and um, I try to identify um, you know, opportunities that I know I can execute and I know that um, there's upside and, and work to be done. And uh, we're recording this episode right at the onset of this, uh, the downturn that's happening with the coronavirus. 
Definitely. And uh, yeah. very unfortunate. So, you know, we're thinking and praying about you know, the whole world here. <clears throat> and, um, but I understand that this is not going to last forever. Um, we'll see, you know, throughout this year uh, when there will become more opportunities to, um, you know, good opportunities, uh, buying opportunities. Um, so, you know, my short-term goal is, uh, is to focus on that. And, and long-term, you know, I, I will have more of a portfolio. I'll have uh, some asset managers that help me uh, manage it a little bit more. I'll have, uh, um, you know, who knows? I might have um, a fund in the future. I, you know, I don't know. I might work more even in the institutional uh, side of things. I might get back into it. Uh, I, I, I did have all these dreams of, you know, owning kind of institutional commercial office buildings, which is what I really enjoyed. And I did a lot in my previous jobs and I might get back into that into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like to plan too far out. Um, you know, that, that's a nice little dream to have, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, time will tell, you know, once I, I get deals done step-by-step step here. Definitely, man. Love the mentality. Hey, so what is your biggest source of motivation? Like, what is your why? I know that to do what you're doing, it takes, it's compared to what we listen to and what we see already. Like, I'm pretty sure deep inside, you kind of have to figure out like what drives you so much. Like, what do you want? Like, what, what is your biggest source of motivation? Yeah, sure. Um, my faith in God, I am trying to do things in an honest, transparent way. I'm trying to, um, uh, operate in a way that is, 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 is respectable to, to my faith, to, to, um, to my family, to my own reputation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, that's most important. And, and which is, uh, you know, which affects certain decisions, you know, I, so one, one way that affects things is that, um, because of that, I'm not trying to buy deals and, and try to conquer the whole world. You know, I, I don't feel a deep need, you know, um, to show anybody anything, to prove anything. I, you know, I'm just working, you know, sometimes people ask me, Oh, well, no, you can do this or that. Uh, you know, look at how much you've done. And, and really I, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just getting to work. I just wake up and get to work. You know, I'm, um, but, um, yeah, you're right. There is still that motivation, which is, uh, you know, I want to look back, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years from now and say, Hey, you know, I, I tried my best and I did things the right way. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and, and people can honor and respect what I, the way I operated my character in the way I operated, not, not the, the, the dollar signs or the amount of zeros in my portfolio. <clears throat> um, you know, just, just this person, how they ran their business and how they, they did things. So, you know, that, that's, a, that's a motivation for me is, you know, 50 years from now, what, what, what can I say? What can I personally say about how I acted and operated during that time? Yeah, I, I can definitely re- relate to that one too. Cause I kind of had the same mentality where it's like, I want to look back on my life and be like, you know, I did something amazing. You know, after a lot of integrity, a lot of honesty, a lot of transparency and really, and for me, it's, I want to impact the world to make it a positive place and leave it in a better place than it was yesterday. So I really understand like what you mean by, you know, waking up and just knowing that it's, you just have to do it, you know, like yeah. something that, yeah. that, that drives me too. Yeah. I mean, for my own personal experience, you know, just 
having no purpose and just waking up and just going through the motions. That's, that's an awful way to live. Yeah. Right. Right. And I, I think for your listeners, um, you know, there's, I, I know you've got a network of a lot of hustlers out there and, you know, my, my one thing that I want to say actually out to that group, which is, uh, you know, not to compare, you know, yourself or prove anything to anybody else, you know, mm-hmm. when, when um, you're doing that and hustling to do that comparison game, it's such hard work. You know, it is because because you're never it's you're never gonna reach the end end point and uh, you never it, it, there's no end to it it's uh and it's so draining it is you know, it's so tiring it, and it's not it doesn't motivate I mean it's not energizing you know it's it's draining it is and so um you know not to live uh your actions uh to prove to somebody else um or to make them proud of you you know and uh, yeah some have have something intrinsic about what you're doing. Definitely, man. I, I think that's a really, really good advice. I think that, you know, that advice really resonated with me ever since I hit my 30s. Where I'm just like, you know what? I just have to be in my own lane. I just have to yeah. be in my own lane. Because um, you realize, like, the more you compare yourself to other people, you're always going to find someone that's going to be better than you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I was just yeah. happy a week ago. Now I'm unhappy again, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I see that all the time. I mean, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people in institutional real estate, they're raising giant funds and they're doing, yeah. big, you know, big deals. So just the same way, you know, some people may say, hey, Eric, you're doing all these big deals. Well, I, I can point to a lot of people doing bigger deals. And I, and again, it's, it's never ending. So um, yeah. I, now I look to those other people who are doing great things and mm-hmm. I appreciate and admire them. Definitely. You know, not compare myself to them. You know, I, I, I want to learn from them and, um, and, um, you know, and, and wish the best for them. You know, yeah. do you, not only are they doing great deals and raising great funds, do you wish that they even do more? Do you wish that for them? You mm-hmm. know, that, that they can, you know, up their game. And, um, so just wish the best for them. And, uh, you know, they, again, they have their race and I got mine. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the true mindset of abundance, you know. Mm-hmm. Now you start thinking mm-hmm. that there's so much resources out there that we can all succeed. And mm-hmm. I think as soon as we adopt that resource, we're going to create a more uplifting and collaborative environment where we're just like, hey, we can all win. Let me support you. You support me, and you know, let's make right. things happen. Right, 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 right. Yeah. That's man. Hey, so what kind of favorite book, podcast, or other mediums do you draw inspiration from? Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. There's a few, uh, especially for people who are interested in entrepreneurial real estate. Um, uh, let's see by John, uh, by John McNillis. Uh, he's, he's active in urban land Institute as a speaker, uh, making it in real estate. I believe that's what it's called. He's got a short book, he wrote uh, about his entrepreneurial journey and, and actually really as advice for uh, operators like me, you know, starting out, um, mm-hmm. I think it's like making it in real estate as a developer or something like that. Okay. Um, we'll find it. Yeah. In notes. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a great book. And then um, this is a fun book, uh, confessions of a real estate entrepreneur. Um, you know, he's like this, also an older guy, lawyer guy, but he, he, his book is fun because he comes off as one of those guys on the giant gold Rolex and, and everything. So just ignore that part. That's, you know, the, the part is his experience and his knowledge, you know, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> that book's a lot about, you know, finding the flexibility to work on any type of deal mm-hmm. and uh, just making things work and uh, 
yeah, really on the ground, gritty approach Love to, it. to real estate. Love it, man. Hey, so if you can redo any part of your real estate career, what would it be? Um, let's see. I, I don't, you know, that's, that's hard. I don't know if I do anything, but there's one thing I would consider is, uh, when I, my career progression, I worked in institutional real estate. Um, maybe, uh, maybe for most of your listeners, what I would say is that actually working for a commercial real estate professional, whether large or small is really beneficial. Why not just learn from somebody? Why try to like, you know, um, suffer through uh, uh, through learning on your own when you can just get paid to learn from them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and working for somebody. So that I think that's really important. That's um, what I did. I, I worked for a larger fund at first. Then I worked for a smaller fund that was a little bit more hands-on. Mm-hmm. Uh, larger one of Prudential uh, real estate investors or PGIM now, and they they're one of the largest uh, investors in the United States. <clears throat> and uh, really cool how. Uh, uh, how they operated their real estate as well as the smaller fund that I worked for mm. the way they operated a hands-on approach, really, really um, flat organization, God capital partners they are um, great, great company and uh, really respect the people there and uh, flat organization. They're very nimble, even though they work on large projects. And mm-hmm. so I had a lot to learn from them. And uh, one thing I could have done differently is work and gone another step, even smaller Mm-hmm. which is worked for maybe like, you know, a little three or four or five person development shop that worked on, uh, you know, ground up developments. I think I would have learned a lot there because now you're getting into the construction and the and, you know, bidding and the design and the land use and the, you know, all that, that, that would have been even more gritty. And, um, it, uh, in terms of the job, if I worked for somebody else. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, because now I'm, even smaller, you know, now uh, my own company. And so it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I hope to grow that back up again, but uh, you know, right now it's just, uh, you know, getting that experience from somebody else and learning how to operate. I mean, I think that's, that's the best advice I could give for that's, anybody else and myself. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really, really good advice. You know, I think that most people tend to think that they know everything and that's not the best approach to go when you're starting your own business. You know, you don't you don't know everything, and you should take some time to build a strong foundation so you can succeed and reach higher goals. So I think what you gave was really good advice. Hey Eric, what's the best way for our audience to learn more about you and contact you? Yeah, yeah the best way is my website revprojects.com. Mm-hmm. R E V like Victor Rev Revitalization Rev Projects. Dot com and mm-hmm. um, you know, you'll see information about me, my company. You can reach out to me. You can see some of the projects that I've done. There's a contact me, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that'll be the best way. So um, definitely, yeah. Hey, thank you so much for being the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. This was fun. Thanks a lot for the conversation. Yep.